The ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rolly Sussex. Professor Rolly Sussex, OAM, Emeritus Professor of Applied Language Studies at the School of Languages and Comparative Cultural Studies of the University of Queensland, is here, willing and able to talk to you about words, language and linguistics. 1300 222 612 is the number you can call. That's 1300 222 612. We're wondering this afternoon, what are some of your favourite syntax errors or grammatical errors, the ones you delight in. What bits of grammar do you have trouble with and what could Rolly help you with? You know, the message can come out very wrong if the sentence isn't set up correctly. Try this and add, Rachel Ray finds inspiration in cooking with her family and her dog. Hmm. And a misplaced comma can make all the difference. Let's eat, kids, is so much more palatable than let's eat, kids. And this door is alarmed. Poor door, Ollie Sussex. Hello and welcome. Good afternoon. Doors are, well, they used not to be alarmed in that sort of sense at all, um, because alarming someone was meaning, would mean that you made them feel uncomfortable and scared. But now they've put this onto doors as well. And so it's a standard two-word thing, door alarmed. It means if you try and open it, the alarm will go off and you'll be in trouble. Yes, it does sound like they're trying to give an emotion to an inanimate object, doesn't it? It, it does, The door yes. itself is going to startle with Well, it with depends fear. on the personality of the door, doesn't it? <laughs> Rolly, as I spoke that introduction there, it occurred yes. to me that I don't think I'm entirely certain when I say the word syntax if it's interchangeable with grammar. I suspect it isn't, but I'm going to need you to help me with that. Okay, grammar is a set of rules, a bit like playing a game actually, for how you get the right words and how you put them together to make sentences. And it's got two bits, one of which is called morphology, and that's to do with the forms of the words. So, for example, you've got book, books, right? And that S makes it a plural, that's part of the morphology. And the other bit is choosing the words, the right words, in the right order to make meaningful sentences. And sometimes, if you get it wrong, you can say terrible things. For example, John loves Jill is great. John Jill loves, with the verb at the end, would be fine in Japanese, but it's no good in English, and loves John Jill would be fine in Arabic because verbs go first, but in English our verbs prefer to be second if they can, so John loves Jill. And these are things that we know about English, and people actually use English incredibly well without actually being able to tell you what the rules are. Mm. But the rules are in their heads, They've learnt them with English and they know how to apply them to make legal, meaningful English sentences. It's one of the great mysteries. My name's Kent Davidson. Professor Rolly Sussex is your guest. If you have a question for him, please feel free to call through. 1300 612 is the number. Or you can SMS, and I have a couple through of those already, on 0467 612. Before I get to those, though, Rolly, do the grammar yeah. rules that we were taught in school always apply? Some of them were fine. And you know, things like uh, John and me is going to the shop, uh, that's wrong on several accounts. And uh, if you take out John and, uh, then you get I am going to the shop. So John and I are going to the shop and everything is clear. But we were taught some things as quote unquote rules, which actually weren't right. 
uh, the, the one about ending a sentence in a preposition was, was very common. And uh, it was supposed to be vulgar and you would try it. You meant to find another way of organizing the words. And Churchill, in a very famous comment, had one of his secretaries correcting reports coming to him. And he wrote at the bottom of one, one of them, you know, putting the preposition somewhere else, he said, this is a bit of pedantry up with which I will not put. <laughs> And he, you know, this is a bit of pedantry I'm not going to put up, up with. with. Right? And that's fine. And in fact, it's putting prepositions or particles in at the end like this is, it's been part of English for more than 400 years. And my favorite example is in The Tempest by Shakespeare. These are such things as dreams are made on. Mm. Now that on is a preposition. If Shakespeare can do it, you and I can as well. Yes. So yes. that wasn't a rule. It was a it was a dud idea. It was invented in the 18th century, possibly by the poet Dryden, and he was trying to make English behave like Latin. Now, Latin doesn't allow these things at the end, and so everybody thought that look, Latin's been around for you no know, 15, 16, 1700 years. It's got all this lovely, beautiful uh, literature, grammar rules, everything else. English is rather rough in comparison we've got to polish it up and make it work like latin and this was just a plain bad idea hmm. the number 1300 we have a couple of calls for you rolly mm -hmm. um not necessarily grammar based so do keep them coming if you have a, a grammar based question but robert has a question that i suspect he very much needs an answer to hello robert hi there what's your question for professor rolly sussex has he heard of a word called boodler Boodler. Spell no. that for me. I can't spell it because I haven't got a clue. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. There is boodle, um, you know, the cat and caboodle. There's a boodle there which actually comes from Dutch. But boodler I have never heard, and you'll have to leave it with me until next word. I have to have a dig no. in some of the more obscure dictionaries. I'll, I'll tell you what the interpretation from me. Oh, what, yep. uh, when I first started uh, work, I, uh, I went with a fella who used a jackhammer. Mm -hmm. Now, I was to take the, the stuff away. As he cut it up, I scraped it away, and I was called a boodler. Oh. oh. So you're, you're the person who was taking away the boodle, as it were. Yeah, I was taking away the... the a the, boodler. The, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, I'll double... This is completely new to me, and I frankly have never used a jackhammer either. <laughs> so, Robert, I'll... <laughs> I'll go digging and see what I can find out for you. Thank Surprises you. Surprises me a great deal, Professor Raleigh Sussex. Thank you for that, Robert. Bob in uh, Northern Queensland. Hello there. What's your question for Raleigh Sussex? Uh, yes. The two letters of the alphabet, C and K, mm -hmm. it's annoying me and you're just the person who set me right. <laughs> no, there's not much difference, Kathleen or mm -hmm. Katrina. Yes. They could be either spelled with a K or a C. Yep. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you can swap the, the K or C around, particularly with people's names. The real difference between them is that K is pronounced either K or nothing. Uh, so that um, the music used to be M-U-S-I-C-K, for example. But in the word night, K-N-I-G-H-T, the K became too difficult for English people and they just left it out. So it used to be Knicht and it's now night. The letter C is a bit different. It, it has the sound K before A, O and U, and very often has the sound S before I and E. And that's where we get that spelling 
rule, quote-unquote rule, I before E except after C, but I'm afraid there are so many hundred exceptions to that that it's really not much use. Okay. 1300 is the number. Rolly, maybe it's a parenting problem more than a grammar problem, but I have a great deal of trouble with my daughter, yes. who is eight and glorious and has usually excellent language skills, but I can't stop her from saying me and Charlotte. Ah, right. Well, there are two things going on there. One of them is that there is a kind of rule of politeness in English which says, don't put yourself first. And even the Queen says, my husband and I. Yes. And she's the most senior person in the Commonwealth. So it's a, a sort of matter of modesty, really. So you, you should say, Charlotte and me. And then that you want to decide whether you're going to have me or I. Mm. And the answer there is, take away and Charlotte. So I like Mozart's music. So I and Charlotte, sorry, Charlotte and I like Mozart's music. But um, Katrina took Charlotte and me to the shop, took me to the shop. You know that you're going to have me rather than I. So there's two things. One is grammar, and that's whether it's I or me. And the other is really a matter of social manners and whether it's you have yourself first or not. Oh. And if you do, it's a bit like saying, here's me, listen up, folks. Oh, I shall try that. She's got a very overdeveloped sense of fairness, so I might be able to whack <laughs> okay. that one in Okay, play on the equity. <laughs> Indeed, yes, wonderful. Thank you for that, Rolly. The question from uh, Grant in Morayfield is an origin question. Hello mm -hmm. there. Uh, good, good afternoon. I've just got a question. Um, I came across the term about having your arms akimbo, Yes. But where the hell does the word akimbo... It's a great word. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the odd thing about akimbo is that it's really only used with arms. You can't have any other things which are akimbo, as it were, right? And, and so that makes it a bit unusual. Um, it comes from Old Norse, which is the, uh, a related language. It's Scandinavian. And the word king, I think it's bogin, which means bent into a crook. And with your arms akimbo, you usually have your arms on the sides of your hips, elbows out. And that's a very particular stance. And it means something like, um, you don't really mean, mean me to expect that. Or, you know, it, it's a kind of challenging thing. And so it comes from Old Norse. It's been in English for at least 600, 700 years. And it's only used with arms. Norse? I, it sounded Asiatic to me. Uh, well, it's not. It could, it could be, but it, in fact, is very much related. The Scandinavian languages are North Germanic, and English is West Germanic, and German, of course, and Dutch. They're all related to the same language family. ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland, Rolly Sussex answering your questions. And he may have some surprises for you about the evolution of grammar. Some of it is in the process of change. He'll talk it you is. through that in a little few minutes. But uh, Linda in Aspley had uh, a question on behalf of her little boy. Hello, Linda. Hello, how are you? Very well. What's your question? My son's been asking me about the word fiery. Why is it spelt like that and not like fire? All oh, right. Um, I think it, this is one of the accidents of English because fire is F-I-R-E and you would expect F-I-R-Y or F-I-R possibly I-E. But over the years, I'm afraid English spelling, sometimes people make a mistake and other people perpetuate it or it was printed somewhere or it got into a dictionary. And there are so many irregularities in English spelling that I'm afraid a lot of them don't have an answer why. What's interesting about fiery, by the way, is that when we, we used to have fire men, mm. but then women started working in that role as well, and fire officer is a bit of a mouthful. 
And so Australian English just solved it by calling them all fireys. But that means that it's F-I-E-R-I-E, because we've already got a Y fiery, mean, meaning consumed by fire. So the fireys are F-I-E-R-I-E and F-I-E-R-I-E-S. And it's a very lovely way of solving the problem of what gender they are. Fireys mm. and ambos are no particular gender or any gender. Indeed. Are we allowed to use that informal language yet, do you think? Well, in Australia, yes. It's, they're so widely accepted and used. After all, the word Aussie is even used in England. Um, fireys, I don't think, would be understood in America, say, probably not South Africa, possibly New Zealand. Mm. But uh, we have, I've got a database of more than 6,000 of these things. And it's one of the ways we indicate, this is a familiar word, we use it together, and it's part of our society. So that if I say to you, fire officer, you'd think, oh, isn't he being very formal? Mm. You know, unless we were in a some sort of formal meeting, say, in which case it'd be all right. Sounds like a safety officer. We do have a question for you um, of a grammatical nature, Professor Ooh. Ollie Sussex. Maureen yes. has called in from Bulimba. Hello. Hello, how are you? We're both well. What's your question? Um, I've just noticed quite a lot recently that even school teachers don't know when to use um, the singular or plural preposition, like I've heard so many people say there are a lot of whatever and there's lots of... Oh, yes. But surely that's not correct. Okay. Strictly speaking, uh, you're, quite, you're quite right. Uh, it should be there are many people in the street. There is an elephant at the corner of the road. The trouble is with theirs is that sometimes when you start a sentence, you're not sure what's going to happen later on, whether it's going to be a singular or a plural. And so the word theirs is starting to be used with either singulars or plurals. So, you know, there's lots of people at the football this afternoon. Used to be downright wrong. Now it's quite common, particularly in the spoken language, and it's starting to be used in the written language as well. Now, the interesting thing about that, as I, I think I've said before, is that in French and German and I think Spanish, they also use a singular. Um, in French, it's il y a, which means there is, and it doesn't matter whether it's a singular or a plural that follows, that's actually grammatically the only way to do it. And so we're following a pattern that's been already trod uh, by other languages, and I think there's a lot or there's lots uh, will be not very remarkable in, in the near future. We've had a wonderful um, SMS come through from Barry at the Gold Coast, um, a, a sign that he saw that said, if your dog does a poo, please put it in the bin. <laughs> yeah, we'll put both <laughs> in the bin. It might solve one producing more of the other. I have pondered it when my dog's done something particularly feral. Yeah, yes, well, um, dogs are inclined to do that. <laughs> and uh, responsible owners are rushing behind them with a little plastic bag. Indeed, yes, yes. I did, yeah, gosh, it's a new world to me, Rolly, having a dog, and I didn't quite realise that plastic of those bags, not as thick as you... Anyway, <laughs> slightly off topic. We're talking... I think we will not go there, thank you. <laughs> We're talking language and grammar at the moment. Tom has uh, called from the Gold Coast with an old chestnut. Hello, Tom. Yeah, hello, Kat. Hello, Roly. You probably have uh, talked about this one before, but uh, I get a bit confused with the, the term valuable and invaluable. They say, oh, yes. you'll hear someone say, my or his services are valuable or his services are invaluable. Now, you know, that sometimes means the opposite, doesn't it? Well, in generally means opposite or not in English. Uh, and by the way, there's another related one, which is a real problem, which is inflamed or sorry, inflammable and flammable. Mm. 
Uh, and inflammable sounds as if it doesn't mean flammable, but in, in fact it does. And a lot of trucking companies have given it away because it's just too ambiguous. With valuable and invaluable, the, all of the ones in A, B, L, E, they almost all come from French, and they mean something which can be. So valuable is something which can be valued, but invaluable is something which is beyond value. And this is a rather unusual in, offensive oh. in. Uh, so invaluable is is uh, something of enormous and incalculable worth, as it were, and that's why the two get mixed up. It's not a negative in, but it's another sense of in. That's fascinating. Thank you so much for the for the question and for the answer. Peter from Daisy Hill um, wants to discuss akimbo. Hello there, Peter. Hi. How are you all? Very well. That's good. Um, Rolly, in my family and friends groups. Um, the word akimbo is more often applied to look, describe legs. Really? Um, particularly if somebody is sitting rather immodestly. Mm. Ah, okay. Um, this is called man-spreading, perhaps? Particularly Similar, young yeah. men slouched down with their knees wide apart. Is that what you have in yeah. mind? Similar to that, but, but probably as just as much referred to if women are sitting immodestly. Yeah, right. or just okay. messily, wouldn't you say, if you've got your legs kind of out over the pavement <laughs> or something and you just, you've just kind of got them all around, Peter. Yeah. 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 Okay. According to the dictionaries, the only thing that you can use akimbo with is arms. Right. But your family and friends are obviously being a bit more creative. And this is one of the things which English does all the time uh, in different ways and in different places. Um, they have invented man-spreading. Uh, I'm afraid the men are getting a really bad bad time of it. There's also mansplaining, which is when men jump in and explain things that women know perfectly well anyhow. Poor men, Rolly Sussex. Yes, we, we suffer. Um, <laughs> but, um, Peter, your, your family, just, just tell them that they're being creative and see if anyone else picks it up. I blame if, yeah. Flacco. Do you recall the character of Flacco? I do indeed. He uh, famously, in one of the episodes of Das Kapital, referred to legs akimbo, and he did it in his particular vernacular, and it was oft quoted. So oh. perhaps it's Paul Livingston's fault. I wonder whether that was the moment of creation. Thanks. I, I, I very much enjoyed Flacco's performance, and I didn't too. know he was the source of that. Yes. Blame Flacco, I say. Let's talk to Joe at Rubyvale about a word I've said more often in the last few months than I've ever said in my life. Hello, there, Joe. Hello. Good afternoon. Yes, the word efficacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd not heard it before. Does that mean the same as effectiveness? Or efficacious, uh, there there are three, and they they overlap an awful lot. And since they're not used, well, they're not normally used terribly much until we start talking about vaccines. And efficacy with a vaccine means: does it provide you with an immunity? Does that immunity last? And is it substantial? A number of percent in terms of the, the the coverage it gives you. And this word has had a sudden kick up in the last three months or so, and it will certainly persist uh, until the vaccine has done its work and we hopefully are out the other end of COVID. So efficacy and efficacious, uh, the, these are, are part of a family of words, meaning something which does its work with um, minimal use of resources. 
This is ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Kat Davidson is my name. Professor Rolly Sussex is answering your questions. We will delve into the topic of whether fitness apps on your phone are actually doing you any good. We'll talk about that in a little while. But right now we're still talking language. And uh, Tom at Gympie has a question for Rolly Sussex. Hello there, Tom. Hi there, Rolly. Yes, Tom. Yes. Yes. I've got a question about helper nouns, well, what I think are helper nouns, mm-hmm. in cases where a word um, has a, uh, a vowel or starts with a vowel mm-hmm. and you put two words together, i.e. an apple, yes. so you can't say a apple. And I asked my father about it once, he's now passed away, but he told me that uh, because I used to work for Hewlett Packard and we used to call printers an HP printer. So I called him out. I said, well, uh, HP, uh, H is a consonant and Mm -hmm. A is a vowel. And I said, I've got you. And he said, no, the the reason you would say an HP printer is because the letter H is actually spelt E-I-G-H. So Mm. E is a, a, now is that that correct? And And am I making sense? Um, there is a problem, and you're, you've got some, some of the story, but not all of it. Um, the, the pronunciation of the letter H is traditionally, and certainly in Britain, and everywhere except Australia and Ireland, H. And it's normally spelled A-I-T-C-H. Um, the H pronunciation has been gaining oh, no. very much in Australia. Uh, it's standard in Ireland. Uh, but when you say H, and I find it difficult to do so because I was taught at school that I shouldn't, that H is a consonant. So you really should say either an HP printer or a HP printer because the presence of the pronounced H is what makes the difference. And there's another story, of course, about history and ahistorical or an historical. And that's quite a, a tricky one because you've got to work out where the stress is. If the stress is on the first syllable, history, the H is nice and strong, it counts as a consonant, and you, and you say, a history of Queensland. But if it's on the second syllable, historical, the energy is on the article, and the H is much weaker, and some people say an historical, and some people say a historical. And my impression is that the a historical is gaining in currency in Australia right now. Certainly they used to say an hotel, mm. right? I, I checked into an hotel for the weekend and that passed, oh, in the 1920s, 1930s. That sounds cockney. Now pronounce the age. It, well, yes, the, the putting in the ages or not, oh, for David in Hampshire, in My Fair Lady, uh, it was a matter of class in England if you mm. got your H's right because the trouble is that we've got lots of words beginning with H in English which are nice and short and we got from Germanic it's like the Norse and so on so hat and hut and hot and high they're all short and we pronounce the H but words like honorable we get from French starts with an H but you don't pronounce it mm. and words like H-E-R-B Herb. We say herb, and we pronounce the H. The Americans say herb. They do. Without it. An herbal. Herbal, which is like the French herb, without, which has a written H, but you don't pronounce it. A final uh, phoned question. We do have another one via SMS, but the final one no. on the telephone is Richard in Wong. Hello, Richard. Hi, how are you doing? Very well. What did you want to ask Rolly? Oh, Rolly, one of my pet hates is 
how the L is dying in the pronunciation of vulnerable. Everyone ah, yes. seems to say vulnerable, including yes. people who, sh- who uh, hold high positions around the place. How's it going to end up? Uh, it's going to end up with a split population because uh, if you've got two consonants together, the first of the two is often vulnerable and gets left out. So Arctic instead of Arctic, million gives you million, and even Australia, two consonants, gives you Australia in the, pr- in the pronunciation of quite a lot of our polys. So vulnerable is part of a pattern, two cons- consonants together in the middle of the world, word, the first one, can find itself getting left out, particularly at speed, but some, for some people, they never ever say it at all. Uh, so I think it's for up to people like Kat to hold the line and give you a model of vulnerable every time you, she, she utters it. I most certainly categorically do. That one I, I know I get right. I do say yes. vulnerable. That sounds like I should eventually be talking about my Anna in, in my, my, instead of Ulna. Ah, uh, well, that... That too short happen. a word? I think it's too short. It's also too technical. Mm. And probably with a word like that, which is very seldom heard, mm. uh, um, it, there's a chance that the, you know, the technical It'll professional stick. pronunciation will persist. I hope it does. Me too. Anne at Churn Park sent a text saying, Hello, Rolly. What I have trouble with is full by itself is double L. Yeah. When I add it to beautiful, it loses an ah, L. Yes. Why is the double L inconsistent? Uh, sorry, this is history of English spelling again, and uh, the there are some like install which are actually different between American and our English, and I think ours is two L's and one is the American is one, but it might be the other way around. Mm. And if you get a double L in the middle of the word with E R after it, like dueler, we have two L's and the Americans have one. So not for the first time, English spelling is having the last word and making us suffer. <laughs> It will do that. I do. I have two more for you. When I say that you're leaving, people get quite upset, Rolly. They, they need they need to reach out to you, um, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Andrew on the Gold Coast says, Premier Gladys used revert back a couple of times today mm-hmm. at her presser. Would vert back be more accurate? No, just simply revert. Um, the, the, the vert bit is the Latin word to turn, verto vertere, and so revert is to turn back. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit like... Um, Oh, is it irresponsible? No. There's an unresponsible, irresponsible one which is similar. So revert back is actually you get the, the backwards idea twice and you only want it once. Right. Okay. And our final is a call. It's from Hal in Sunnybank. You've got a pronunciation question, Hal. I do, and it's one that drives me mad, Rolly. It's yes. the word important. Yes. And I've, I've noticed an increasing number of people pronounce it imported so oh. they added d and removed the ends yes and i wonder why that is sounds like they have a cold <laughs> well if they had a cold probably you'd get n all the way through because you it messes right. up your pronunciations through your nose now um what ha- happens here is important and imported and so on you've got a t and it's got a vowel on either side of it and forget about the r because we don't pronounce that when you pronounce a vowel your your Voice is working, and you can do that by holding your thumb and finger gently on either side of your voice box and saying, important, and you'll feel in the middle that the T, the voice actually stops. Now, if you're in in a hurry, and sometimes for people in general speech, uh, they just make that T with a voice, which makes it sound like a D. So important, right, and imported. And you'll also find it in things like ladder, 
for latter and butter for butter. Mm -hmm. The Americans do this as well, and so 340-odd million of them, plus us, means there's quite a lot of pressure on to make that into what's called a flap. It's not a real D, it's a weak D, and it's called a flap. Thank you so much for all the text messages and calls, some of the text messages we couldn't get to today. But um, I did, I teased earlier, Rolly, and I'm fascinated mm -hmm. to find the answer to my question. Some grammar is in the process of changing. Yes. What, what is changing? What shall I have to readjust my thinking on? All right. First of all, the word shall is on the way out. Uh, we used to say shall is, goes with I and we, but it's all, almost only heard nowadays in phrases like shall we join the ladies after yes. dinner or shall I do this in a question. Other than that, you'll find will almost all the time. And so that's a word which is really on the skids, particularly in America, and it's just about gone. Whom, with an M, oh. is just about dead. Oh, I'll miss whom. So will I. But uh, if you actually... When you're writing, I think people are more careful. They write whom, to whom, with whom, by whom, whom did you see. But increasingly we say, and I write as well, who do I see? And people are no longer marking that as wrong. Oh. So these are changing. I then always ask the, someone if they call me and I don't know who it is, with whom yes. am I speaking? Ah, yes, and they say, oh, who are you then? <laughs> not not, not whom, whom are you? To whom am right. I speaking? But there's another really interesting one, which is what do you do with a noun like team? Do you say the team is or the team are? And in America, they're taught in school that team is a singular noun, so they tend to say the team is. Mm -hmm. In Britain, they go for what's called semantic agreement, where you say teams always consist of more than one person, so it's plural, so they have the team R. And they will tend to say the government R, the team R, Queensland R, if you're talking about a, a sporting team. And Australia's caught in the middle, and we go either way, and depending on the people you're writing for, whether they've got a style guide, they may prefer the singular or the plural, or allow you to be flexible so long as you're consistent. Right. One way or the other. So grammar is not a completely frozen set of rules. The whole thing is in negotiation. Sometimes it differs from place to place. And the best thing you can do is to listen. And if there's a problem you can't resolve, ring up this program and we'll talk about it. <laughs> That's why we have you. Do you have a, a final word for of us, course. Professor Rolly Sussex? Yes. And I'll talk to you about momentarily next week. <laughs> All right. I figured you might. This is from Jane Wagner. I personally believe we developed language because of our deep inner need to complain. <laughs> I love that very much. Thank you so much for your time, Rolly. Pleasure, Kat. Bye-bye. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.